Uh, thanks for tuning in. And also, there's a part of our gathering where we always pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the courageous first responders. And so, you know, we clap a lot and Jesus gets the highest ovation of praise. But when it comes to a certain group of individuals, I think those who put their life on the line to serve and protect ours, they deserve a rowdy, like, come on, like applause of appreciation. So now church family, can you put your hands together? Thank God for all of those men and women serving. Come on, love it. It's good. And uh, you know, I've got, I've got a few minutes here of content that I wanna share with you, but before we do that, I just wanted to tell you that on behalf of this church and as your pastor, uh, we are continuing to pray for you and your family uh, during all of this uh, coronavirus stuff that's still floating around. Quite a few spikes throughout the country and even in our county here, and of course in Montgomery County, Maryland. And I thought if you'd allow me the honor, I'd just love to pray a prayer of protection over you and your family. And also uh, just a prayer over this message today. We don't have to operate in fear. Come on, give me a good amen. But we should always operate in wisdom. So keep washing your hands. Come on, somebody. <laughs> practice your social distancing. Wear your masks when appropriate. Be wise, be safe, be smart. But we serve Jesus who is the greatest physician. He's the healer. Come on, do you believe that? But I'd love to pray for you today. So whether you're watching online, you're in Germantown, you're in this room, uh, give me 20 seconds here to offer a prayer of protection over you and your family. Father, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and so we will be glad and rejoice in it. And so we thank you that you've given us life today. I pray over the people of Go Church, the family of God, and all of those watching online, that the hand of protection that comes from God Almighty would be upon each and every one of us that we would operate in wisdom and we would not live in fear, but that you would protect us and God, that you would watch over us. For those who are wrestling or fighting against the coronavirus by way of contacting the, contracting the disease, I speak healing in the name of Jesus and we thank you that you are able to heal. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Give us peace that passes all understanding and all the distractions that happen in life and throughout just living. God, I pray that all of those would be removed today. And for the next 40 minutes, we could really dive into your word. We could be challenged and convicted and encouraged about living a life of legacy. And so we honor you today. I pray that you would touch me, that you'd let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pure and acceptable in your sight and that you would place not just an anointing on me to deliver the message, but you would anoint your people to receive the word and we thank you that your word, the word of God, never returns void. So we pray all of these things in one name. It's the name of Jesus. We've been singing about Jesus all morning. So we pray all of these things in one name, the most powerful name, the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And together, everybody said amen and amen. Come on, one more time, give Jesus some praise. Come on, let's do it. Good. All right, you are here on week number two of a series that we're doing at Go Church, and we're calling it Legacy. This is our Legacy series, and so let me encourage all of you, grab your smartphone or your journal. I want you to definitely write some things down as we chat through and have a great conversation on the idea of legacy. If you missed last week, that's no problem. I'll, I'll share some of last week's message in the introduction here, but you can always go back online, download the podcast, go to YouTube, all of that, and catch week number one. If you remember last Sunday, we talked about the idea of legacy, and legacy has two different angles. Legacy, the first angle is how people will remember you when your life is over. 
So how, how will people remember you and, and how you want them to remember you and how they will actually remember you are two very different things. And so challenging us to live a life of legacy so that whenever the good Lord does call us home, we can leave behind a legacy of how people will remember us for the good works that we did while we were alive. But legacy is not only about how people will remember you. Legacy is also about how God will remember you. And I told you last Sunday that God has a fantastic memory. And he sees every act of sacrifice and every act of generosity. He sees every deed and every, every uh, obedient moment of faith that you live. God sees all of that. And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And they have this desire to live this life of legacy. I gave you this verse out of Colossians chapter one last Sunday. Really, this is kind of the, uh, the theme verse of this particular series. The apostle Paul, his sidekick, Timothy, they write this letter to the church of Colossae thousands of years ago. And it's a beautiful reminder for those of us here today that we are all created by God and we are created for God. Verse number 16 says this, that, that in him, on the count of three, everybody say him, one, two, three. That is God. In God, all things are created. This is a reminder of the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis chapter number one, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created. If you go 25, 26 verses down in Genesis one, you see that in his image, mankind, humanity was created and everything in between. So all things are created, things that are in heaven, things that are on the earth, things that you can see, things that you cannot see. Do you realize that there is another world that is just as real as the world that you see in the natural? It's the supernatural world, come on now. So all the things that you can see in the visible, all of the things that, that are invisible, God creates all of those. And I love this through all of this political tension that we feel, it's just a reminder that whether it's someone in a, a seat of authority, they're sitting on a throne, they find themselves with great power, it doesn't matter. All things have been created, and let's do this. Everybody in Germantown, online and in this room, let's read this final line here highlighted in yellow, starting with the word through. You ready? One, two, three. Through him and for him. All things have been created through him and for him. Now, I don't know what you pick up when you read the, this particular verse, but here's what I see. I'm, I'm reminded and, can I say, encouraged that I am alive on purpose and I am alive for purpose. You're not, you're not here by accident today. You're not alive watching, if you're watching online, by accident today. If, if you woke up today, it's because God has a purpose for your life. And I would love to help you discover that purpose. I think this is one of the greatest responsibilities of the local church, is not just to help introduce you to the person of Jesus, but to help introduce you to your purpose, your purpose. I wanna keep talking about this for a moment. Write this thought down. The ultimate purpose of our everyday living is not to be alive forever. One day, we're all gonna die. I'm gonna talk more about that in just a moment here, but the goal isn't to live forever. I, I don't know if I wanna to live to be 100 or 110 or 125. I think there comes a point, at least in my mind and heart, that 
You know, I'll, I'll stay alive as long as God wants me to, but if I'm no longer in my right mind, like take me home, Jesus. Anybody with me? The goal isn't to live here forever. The goal is, though, to leave behind something that does, something that will remain. What is, let me say it to you like this, what will the fruit of your life be? So however many years that the good Lord graces you with or graces me with, will we let there be fruit that remains, a legacy that remains? And check this out, you only get one life to leave this legacy. I don't know who needs to hear this, but when this life is over and you breathe your last breath, and again, there will come a point when we all gonna die. Happy Sunday. <laughs> we'll all stand before God Almighty. And how many years is that? I have, I have no idea. How many decades is that? I don't know. I mean, if the good Lord graces us with 75, 80, 85, 90, 100 years, whenever we breathe our last breath, there are no redos. That there is no rewind. That there is no replay. There, there is no reincarnation. You're not going to come back as a cow or a plant. This is it. You only get one life to leave a legacy. What, what will that legacy be? Oh, I hope I can say this in a way that doesn't come across offensive. I've, I've not had to officiate any funerals in, in recent days, weeks, or months, so there's not a particular family that would think I'm talking about their loved one, but I've officiated a lot of funerals over the last 20 plus years of full-time ministry where as the family and as the officiant, we've had to make up some stuff to say about the person. It wasn't a good life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to preach anybody into heaven. The Bible says you got to work out your own salvation. And I've sat around with families like, so tell me about so-and-so. Crickets, quiet. And let me, let me say this to you. I hope, I hope you take this to heart. Why don't you live a life that makes it easy for the people planning the celebration of your life? Come on. Live your life in such a way that when people get together, they're able to say, let me tell you about my mother, my brother, my father, my sister, my loved one, my neighbor, my coworker, whatever. Let me tell you about them in this way because I see the legacy that they have left behind. So why, why do some people get to leave this incredible legacy and others fall short of this legacy life? I think it's because of competing agendas. We've got competing agendas. Let me say it to you this way. Most of us want Jesus to be our Savior, but we still want to be our Lord. Now we want Jesus to be the Savior of our life, but we want to keep our hands on the wheel and we want to be the Lord of our life. Let me tell you, Jesus, our Savior, is our Lord. And we can't continue to compete with our agenda and our ways and our wills with the will and the way of the Father. When we come into right standing with God, we lay aside our agendas. And what we say is, I don't want to be full of, of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I don't want to be in competition with the, the will of God or the agenda of God. So not my will, but your will. When we say yes to Christ, what we're saying is that my life is no longer my own. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Can I get a hundred people to give me a good amen right there? And what happens though in the life that we live, we got one life to leave this legacy. We constantly are competing with our agenda for our life. 
and what we think we want and what we think we desire and what we think that we deserve with the, with the will of God, the agenda of God. Watch this. This is very much a generalization. It's not for everybody, but a lot of people want success. So we think that we're alive to be successful and you could define success a hundred different ways and however you, you determine what, what success is here on this earth. But while we want success, Jesus wants sacrifice. It's not, it's not the agenda of God for you to be successful. It is the desire of God for you to live a life of obedience. Let me challenge you with this thought. What, what are you willing to give up in order to go up? Come on, am I talking to anybody? What Jesus is looking down from heaven is a, a people praying that, that they would be a sacrificial people that aren't on a journey or aren't creating an agenda just to be successful, but to live a life of obedience, a life of sacrifice. A lot of people, they, they want fame. Let me get 100,000 followers on Instagram. Put my name in lights and billboards. Let me make it to Hollywood, right? Let me have the paparazzi follow me around. I want to be famed. Let, let my autograph and my namesake be, be worth something. But, but Jesus' agenda for your life is not so that you can become famous. No, what Jesus wants is faithfulness. Faithfulness. That when you feel like nobody is watching you, you remain faithful, full of integrity and full of character and full of obedience to God. This is the desire of the God. Our lives should not be lived so that you and I become famous. Our lives should be lived so that Jesus becomes famous. I think that's a good place to pause and give Jesus some praise. Come on now. That's the goal of our life. Not so that you and I can be famous. No, so that Jesus can be famous. God's desire, God's agenda, if you will, God's will is for you to be faithful. On the count of three, everybody say faithful. One, two, three. A lot of people desire wealth. Give me money. Give me cars. Give me nice clothes. Give me a big house. And again, nothing wrong with those things in the right place, in the right time, in the right context. But God's desire for you is not a life of wealth. God's desire is for you to have a life of worship. Jesus. Jesus didn't give you life so that you could be wealthy. Jesus gave you life so that you could worship him in spirit and in truth. Am I talking to anybody? Come on. This is the desire of God's heart. It's not just so that you can be wealthy, so that you're well-to-do and keep up with this group or society of people. No, God wants you to live a life of worship. Sacrifice is where it's at. Faithfulness is where it's at. A life of worship, that is leaving a legacy life. Let me give you this thought here, and I'll tell you a story, but life is not about making a living. Life is about leaving a legacy. I don't know who this is for, but early this morning, uh, like you on certain days, I get up early, so I'm, I'm at the church here by a little after 5 a.m. on Sundays and just begin to pray and, you know, uh, try to pull together a message so you all can enjoy that. And, I was praying this morning, and I thought there's somebody listening today that, that you've been presented with an opportunity for promotion. Uh, may, maybe it's a job that is going to take you across country, or maybe within the company they've presented you with higher income. But, but let me challenge you with this, and I'm not saying that this is or is not the will of God, 
I think that you really, let me rephrase that. I know that you should really pray through what God wants you to do. You need to seek the face of God. I'm going to tell you right now that more money doesn't mean more happiness. More money doesn't mean more joy. More money doesn't mean more peace. I heard one theologian say it this way, more money, more problems. Come on, somebody. And I think a lot of times, some of y'all got that, right? Come on, somebody with me. Thank you so much. Life is not about making a living. Life is about leaving a legacy. Listen to me. The value of your life is never determined by how much money you make, how many cars you have, how big your home is, how, how uh, you know, just uh, well off your, your retirement plan is. Again, I'm not against all of those things. But your life, the value of your life, you will not stand before God at those pearly gates and him say, well, in order to get in here, did you have a 5,500 square foot house? How many cars did you have? How many achievements and awards and certificates and successes? No, it's not about those things. Don't ever value your life. And there is such a disease, an epidemic that's sweeping across our nation. And it is not the coronavirus. It's the disease of comparison where we compare our life. And social media has just created a disastrous spirit of comparison where you look online at what everybody else has and you think, well, I don't have those things. And so there must not be much value to my life. Let me tell you what you don't see in the picture on Instagram, all the debt those people are in. Come on now. Come on. It's not about that. Work hard, love your family. But at the end of the day, your value is not about how much money you make every week. Your value is the legacy that you will leave behind. I think about, and I know many of you have multiple individuals like this, but I think about my Nana. My Nana left this earth when I was just a kid. She didn't, she didn't leave us anything by way of inheritance. She never had much of anything. No one ever knew her name. She was not famous. She wasn't a celebrity. But you know what she was? She was a praying grandmother, a faithful grandmother that never had much because she would always give whatever she had away to those that were less fortunate and those that weren't doing well. That, that was my Nana. And, and what I saw of the legacy of the life that she lived deposited something inside of my heart to say, you know what? I want what she had because there was a joy that she possessed realizing that life is not about money. Life is about making a difference in the lives of people. One of the closest friends I have on this earth is, is my buddy Johnny Moore. Now, many of you know Johnny because Johnny has been a big part of Go Church. Uh, I'll tell you a story and then I'll tell you how you make a, a huge difference in not just in Johnny's life, but in the lives of so many people. So in 2009, Johnny was working at a church on the north side of Atlanta as a staff pastor. He was working primarily over young adults and world missions. So he had an opportunity to attend the Hillsong Conference in Australia, summer of 2009. He goes to Australia. He stays for the entirety of the, the conference. He gets on an airplane, a Delta flight, 
I guess God speaks on Delta flights. Come on, somebody. He gets on a Delta flight. He's flying back from Sydney to L.A. And somewhere over the middle of the Pacific Ocean, God speaks to Johnny's heart. And God says on that airplane ride, Johnny, I've called you to world missions. And I want you to move to Thailand. Now, Johnny, living in America, very comfortable and a successful role at a very large church, at that time one of the largest churches in our country. And in that moment, Johnny was at a crossroad. It was a competing agenda. So I can continue to do things my way, or I can be obedient and faithful and sacrifice and let my life be a life of worship and say yes to what you're calling me to do. Johnny lands back in the States. He gets home. He has a conversation with his family. And in a matter of months, Johnny sells everything that he owns, everything, all of his clothes, all of his furniture. He gives his car away to a young uh, seminary student, right? He gives it all away. And now the inventory of Johnny's life can be calculated into two medium-sized suitcases, two suitcases, his whole life's worth. And he moves to Southeast Asia, to Thailand, to begin full-time missions work. One of the great parts of Johnny's ministry here is, and if you see him, he's holding this camera in his hand, and oh man, I feel so emotional just telling you, because I don't know if he'll watch this. I told him I was gonna share part of the story, but Johnny, I'm so proud of you, man. A big part of the ministry is, is because church in Southeast Asia doesn't always look like church here in America. And so they're always trying to find creative ways to introduce children to the gospel of Jesus. So Johnny, they started this ministry called the Sidewalk Ministry. And they'll go from town to town and village to village and they'll take pictures of all of these children. And then they'll say, hey, come to church next week and we'll show you the picture that we took now, that may not mean anything to you, but let me introduce you to these two beautiful children. This is the first time in their life they've ever seen a photograph of themselves. The first time they've ever seen their face printed on canvas before. And now, because of a photo, oh, it's more than just a photo. Now, because of the commitment of Johnny to move to Southeast Asia, to take a photo, to print it, and to give it to precious children, now they can tell them that you are created in the image of God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God knitted you together while you were in your mother's tummy. And now they can begin to explain the true gospel of Jesus and how these children have identity in Christ. I'm telling you, it is not about how much money you make. It's about the legacy that you leave behind. I'm not saying that God will call all of you to world missions. Some of you are canceling your next Delta flight. I can hear the app going off now. But what will this legacy life be? So here's where you play a part. Every year we do our legacy offering, and I'll tell you more about that at the end of this message. Uh, you all give, and you give generously, and and every year you all have helped fund my friend Johnny Moore on the mission field. Last year you all gave to Johnny's ministry $10,000 to help keep him on the mission field in Southeast Asia. And I know you want to clap, but hang on tight real quick. Many of us will never be able to, to go to Southeast Asia and, and into Yangon, Myanmar and into Bangkok, Thailand. But, but you all can, can fund 
another person's calling. You all can live a life of sacrifice and help support missionaries and and ministries and nonprofits literally all around the world because at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to see people come to Christ. So Johnny, if you're watching, I want you to be encouraged by this. We're gonna take up a legacy offering here in a few weeks, bud. And this Go Church family, we're all in with supporting you. Come on, can you encourage Johnny today? Come on. Oh, come on, let him know you love him, man. I think we can do better than 10,000 this year. How, how, how does an individual like Johnny ever get to this moment of, I just, I just want to serve people. I want to bless people. I want to put the needs of others before, before my own. And I want to tell you something real quick, and I'll, I'll show you something on the screen here. But I am not, absolutely not, preaching at you or preaching down to you. I have felt such great conviction in the last few weeks about even what we're doing as a family in my own life, in my own heart. What will the legacy be that I leave behind with however many more years or whatever it is that the good Lord graces me with? I don't want my life to be selfish. I don't want my life to be full of selfish ambition to make it about just us, man. There is a hurting and a broken world out there. And you and I, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of all the things that we do not have, we are blessed and highly favored. And I think this isn't a part of my notes, but let me just preach it how I feel it. Instead of being focused on all the things we do not have, what if we just lifted our hands and thank God for what we do have? Come on now. And we are blessed beyond measure. And God wants to listen to me. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. That's how this works. This is the economy of God. This is the kingdom of God. God blesses you so that you can bless other people. We teach this a lot here at Go Church, and especially if you've ever gone through Move Track, but we talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm going to move through this pretty quickly, but I'll show you how you get to the highest level of living. So in 1943, Abraham Maslow writes a paper. He submits this thesis, if you will, to the scientific journal. And the whole paper is about how people behave and how they act and what they are inherently striving for. So why we do what we do, how we act the way that we act, and and the deficiency of the needs that you and I have. And we are all created in the image of God. We are too fearfully and wonderfully made. And as humans, there are needs. Maslow writes this hierarchy of needs in the shape or style of a pyramid, starting at the most basic of all needs. He says that a man or woman has physical needs. This is air. How many of you think air is important? Come on, somebody. Help us, Jesus. We need cleaner air, right? Food. Some of you got food on the brain right now. I'm going to get you out of here. You'll get down to the Cracker Barrel soon enough. Water, shelter, intimacy, sleep. Now, if you look at the United States of America alone, this doesn't go outside of the USA. 98% of all people are having their physical needs met. These are not wants. These are needs. And 98% of people in the United States are having their physical needs met. The next set of needs are safety needs. This is protection. 
security, law, stability. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why you lock your doors at night. This is why you wear a seatbelt when you get in your car. This is why many of you put on a mask when you go into public. But watch this. This is also why so many people will stay working at a job they do not love. Because it's stable. There's safety there. And people are drawn towards safety and stability and protection. Then it moves to, to love needs. I got needs and it's a need for love. Come on now. We all got love needs. This is family, affection. This is relationships. This, this ladies and gentlemen, is why people date. They get engaged and then they get married because they have this need of affection and family and relationship. This is the reason that so many students, when they get into college, they'll, they'll join a group like a fraternity or a sorority. This is the reason, and, and some of us will scratch our head, why would anybody ever get in a gang? Well, men and women get into gangs because that's the only family they can find. So, so we get, this is why when we do small groups, people will jump into a small group because I want to be a part of a family. I, I want and desire relationship. Then it moves to esteem needs. Now, by the time you get to this level of esteem needs, achievements, status, responsibility, reputation, there are two ideas here. The first idea under esteem needs is how you view yourself. So how you view you. It's called self-esteem. This is why this morning, right, because, again, how people view you is important to you. This is why this morning, before you came to church, you stood in front of a mirror and you did your hair. You put on some makeup, ladies. Come on now. Maybe it's Maybelline, all right? <laughs> Fellas, we combed our beard. We brushed our teeth. We wanted to make sure we look good because we are going to church, but we want to make sure we've got self-esteem. Now, if you're online, you did none of those things. Come on. You're in your PJs right now watching online thinking, this is the greatest day. I got my coffee and my breath stank. Come on. We love you, but we know what it's like to have to get dressed up for church. The second part, though, is not just what you think about you, but what others think about you. And we've talked about that. How you view yourself and then how others view you. So your self-esteem leads you to dress a certain way to act a certain way, to be a certain way, because you want to be accepted and have achievement and status and reputation. Now, the first four, and there's eight of these, the first four of these needs, Maslow calls them the deficiency needs. The next four he calls growth needs. Here's the problem, though. Don't get bored with me. Hang in there. Everybody good? If you're good, say I'm good. If you didn't say I'm good, I, I'm, I'm going to watch the replay and see who didn't say I'm good, all right? The problem is, is that most people, most people never get outside of the deficiency needs. So their whole life for decades is wrapped up in their physical needs, their safety and protection, their family and relationships, how they view themselves and the concern about how other people view themselves. So the majority of humanity all around the world never gets to experience the best part of life. And I don't know who this is for, but listen to me. God created you on purpose and for purpose. And the reason for your life is not just to suck up a bunch of oxygen and go to work every day. Come on, somebody else give me an amen. I got like one people. 
Yeah, there's more to life than this routine of everyday monotonous living. And I want to help you get there. I want you to not endure your life, but enjoy your life. So let me give you the second half. The second half is called growth needs. It starts with cognitive needs. This is knowledge, meaning, self-awareness. Cognitive needs is the desire to, to grow and learn. Um, this is why you love books. It's why you love documentaries. This is why you're drawn to conspiracy theories. Come on. This is why you can't stop watching Fixer Upper and all those cooking shows. Y'all can't cook like them. It never turns out that way. But we're drawn to it because we have this inherent desire to learn and grow. Does that make sense? Then, then the, the pyramid moves to aesthetic needs. Uh, here is beauty and balance and form. This is why you and I love vacation. Some of us love to go to the mountains. Others of us love to go to the beach. As a matter of fact, where are all my beach people at? My beach people, come on. I see you, come on online. Go ahead, type in beach people, Germantown Beach, all right. Where are all my mountain people at? Come on. And I'm not talking about the hills of Kentucky. I'm just talking about vacation, mountain folk. Come on, one more time, where are you at? Yeah. All right, so let's do this. Everybody in Germantown online in the room, close your eyes real quick. Come on, close your eyes. I'm gonna show you aesthetic needs. Imagine you're in the mountains. You got a beautiful log cabin. Come on, you gotta go there with me. You got a beautiful log cabin. There is a crackling of the fireplace. Right beside you is your favorite coffee mug with hot cocoa. There's some marshmallows, cinnamon sprinkled on top. Can I get a witness? Come on. The living room is designed in such fashion that the entire view is glass that shows you the top of the snow-capped Smoky Mountains. All of a sudden, a beautiful light snow begins to fall and deer begin to frolic in your yard. Come on, how many of you wanna be there? All right, open your eyes, look at me. You ain't there. You're here, I'm sorry. You're at the beach. Somebody has given you a condo right on the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, the waves crash and hit the foundation of your condo. You're in the Caribbean with translucent blue water. You have found Nemo. You wake up early one morning to step out on the balcony before the robust of the ocean begins to break, you see a calmness over the depth of the sea. And in a moment, over the horizon of the elliptic of the earth, the sun begins to smile God's favor on your life. You can feel the heat begin to rise and sweat begin to move from your brow. I feel like Shakespeare right now. <laughs> it's aesthetic needs. This is why you can't get off of Instagram because you're drawn to beauty. You're drawn to balance and form and the idea. This is, this is why, ladies, this is why you decorate for Christmas. And you've got nine Christmas trees. Nine. One is not sufficient. Give us nine. That felt good. Thank you. <laughs> Fellas, this is why you mow your yard. Come on, I know a guy in our church. He serves on the board of trustees. He's known as the yard man. Oh, he's in the room right now. His grass is meticulous. It's absolutely beautiful. My grass is dead. <laughs> but I try. This is aesthetic needs. And then it moves to two more. I got to hurry through. Watch this. Then it moves to self-actualization needs. 
Once you get to this level, this is personal growth and self-fulfillment. So here, watch this, lean in for a second. This is your calling, the way you're wired, your gifts, your talents, your abilities. This is, this is powerful. Now, now watch, let's see how good your memory is. What percentage of people's physical needs are being met in the US? Y'all are smart. Only 2% ever make it to self-actualization. Uh, let me say it to you like this. Only 2% of people ever discover why were they were created and the purpose of their life. And I think this is why, and I'll, I'll be careful here because some of you have felt just the uh, challenging effect of this, but this is why so many people take their life because they don't feel like their life is worth anything. But this is not the highest level. Now, years ago, and this, uh, this list has evolved over time since 1943. At one point, this was the highest level of living until we were introduced to, and I love this, transcendence needs. Transcendence needs. Transcendence needs is the ultimate level. It's the highest level of life. It's the highest level of, of your living. And I, I, I want all of you to get here. When you reach transcendence, it means that it's care, it's compassion, it's sympathy, it's, it's helping others. Uh, let me say it to you like this. this. This is recognizing that you should bear one another's burdens. That this life, and I've already said this, but this life is not about you, it's about others, that you are blessed to be a blessing. And the challenge is this. So many of us live our lives this way on the pyramid. What if we lived our life if the pyramid was flipped? upside down. Now, I'm not the brightest star in the sky, so I struggled a little bit with the definition of transcendence, so I did what any really smart person would do. I Googled it. Watch this. Exceeding unusual or usual limits. Exceeding usual limits. Surpassing boundaries. Think about this. Extending beyond the limits of ordinary experience beyond Monday through Friday, nine to five, beyond making money to pay the bills. Are you with me? Beyond comprehension. I'm going to read it to you one more time. Watch. Exceeding usual limits, surpassing, extending beyond the limits of ordinary experience, beyond comprehension. Tell me that does not sound like Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do, oh, come on, church, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in us. This is the heart of God. Listen to me. God can do more with your life exceedingly abundantly than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. If you trade in your success for sacrifice, you trade in your fame for faithfulness, and you trade in your wealth for worship, God will take you places no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store for those who believe. Come on, let's take a pause and give Jesus some praise. Come on, let's do it well.
Come on, if you're with me, come on, just put your hands together. We honor you, Jesus. Some of y'all still stuck in the mountains or on the beach. I get that. So how do we get there? How do we get to this transcendence life? This life of legacy. I think, I think all the words of the Bible are really important, but the words of Jesus? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter number 22. Here's what he says. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, verse 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's read this together on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. My, uh, my brain is pretty simple. So when I read scripture and stuff, I, I'm, I'm just not one that dives too deep theologically on certain things. When I see this, I, this is how I see my life. This is my prayer for me and Kimberly and for our kids and for generations of worldlies to come and we got, we got some work to do with the worldly last name. I had a bunch of selfish people over the years. And I felt like God is doing a shift through me and my family and my son. That when people, when people talk about the worldlies one day, because when somebody says, oh, I, I, know, I know a worldly, they're from North Carolina. Are you related? I'll say, well, are they in prison? Because if they are, it's, it's possible. Come on now. Are they broke? Are they poor? Are they a, a bound in addiction? That's not the life that God wants us to live. And maybe that story is very similar to your family's history and heritage. But when you take on the truth of this scripture, that you put God first, Matthew 6, says what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This should be the mission and the vision of your life. Whether you're single or you're married, you're widowed, you're retired, no matter what. Watch this. Love God. Love others. Learn your purpose. And then leave it all on the line. Love God. Love others. Love your purpose and then leave it all on the line. So when I breathe my last breath and I stand before God and all y'all come to my funeral celebration, it's a party by the way, it is, because I'm not in this world, I'm in heaven. Now, you'll get your fried chicken and mac and cheese in a moment, but when you're at my funeral, y'all better worship Jesus for a few and then go eat. I've been to enough funerals where y'all are like, let me get the food, wait a minute. Somebody ought to cry over me, celebrate that I'm in heaven, and then go eat. When I, my life is over, though, I want everyone to be able to say he left it all on the line. I left it all on the line. I got to hurry, and I'm going to pray for you. But there's one way you can leave it all on the line. It's this legacy offering. This is my heart. It's my dream. Legacy offering happens the first Sunday every December, so annually. Now, before you grab your wallet and your 
pocketbook and think, ah, this whole message was about money. It's not. It is not about money. Here's the catch about this offering is however much money comes in, we give 100% of it away. Now, this offering is an offering which is above and beyond what you normally give. And that's important for you to understand. You, you can't take money that you regularly give and put it in a legacy offering. That, that will just create some chaos financially. This is above and beyond. And we're going to take up this offering the first Sunday, December the 6th. And whatever comes in, we're going to give it all away. Last year, Go Church, your generosity was through the roof. And you gave an offering of $135,000. Isn't that fantastic? This year, I'm believing, even in the middle of a global pandemic, that God is going to blow our minds. He's gonna blow our minds, and you're gonna, you're gonna walk in obedience and faithfulness. I don't care how much you give. It's not about how much you give. I'm not going through the records to see, well, how much did this family give? We don't do that. No, you begin to pray and ask God, Lord, what would you have my family give? And if it's a dollar, then be obedient to a dollar. If it's $10, be obedient to $10. $100, $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, dollars $1 million. Come on. Whatever it is, you just be obedient. You be faithful. And God will bless you. This is a great way to do this. To love God. To love others. To learn your purpose. And to leave it all on the line. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Germantown as well. Nobody's looking. Thank you, Jesus, for your word today. Thank you for your people that are faithful to listen. I pray that through this message, though someone's heart is stirred, with an understanding that the legacy we're talking about only happens by being in a right relationship with you. And at Go Church, I never want to miss a moment of giving somebody the opportunity to sing yes to Jesus Christ, either through salvation or rededication. Maybe this message was a reminder of how off you've gotten with God and how you've been competing your agenda with his agenda and now you're ready to come into alignment, to come back to the arms of a loving father. Nobody's looking except me and our campus pastors in Germantown and in this room. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor JC, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna rededicate my life to Christ or I wanna come back to Christ for the very first time. Again, nobody's looking except me and the team here so that we can know how to pray for you. Would you lift your hands? Come on, in this room in Germantown. Thank you, Jesus. All the way in the back. Thank you for your hand. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Young man, I see your hand. By faith, man, I'm so proud of you. The Lord bless you. Young lady, I see your hand there. Come on. Come on, church. This is fantastic. To God be the glory. Come on, anyone else? Say, yes, I see your hand right here in the middle. Thank you. God bless you. Young lady, I see your hand too. Come on. This is my favorite moment of the whole day where people say no to the world and yes to God. All right, everybody look at me. Um, I, there might have been more hands, but I counted five or six. Come on, can we give God some praise? Plus all of those in Germantown, to God be the glory. Now let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those who are obedient to coming into a relationship with you. I pray that everyone here would pray their own prayer of salvation, but make sure that when you pray, you say, God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean and make me a new person. I leave my old life behind. I set down my own agenda and I pick up a life that's focused on you. Loving God, loving others, learning my purpose, and I'm going to leave it all on the line. And I will have a legacy in you, Christ. 
Jesus. To God be the glory forever. And let the church say amen. Give God your best praise. Come on. Hallelujah.